Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to today's broadcast of This Gospel of the Kingdom. This is the weekly broadcast of our worship services, and we'll be starting here in just a few seconds. Starting in just a few seconds here. Thanks for your patience. Thank you. 
Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you today to hear your word, to hear what you might speak to us this day. Father, we are in attendance. We want to obey your commandment to gather together on the seventh day in worship as a family, as a congregation, as a church. But not only by commandment, but in the spirit of love, Father, we want to hear your voice. And we are here voluntarily wanting to hear your voice, wanting to grow in the relationship with you, wanting to become more clean and acceptable to you, wanting to be the bride that you would have us to be. We ask, Father, that you would help us in this worship service today, that we would be pleasing to your sight, acceptable to your sight, and that we would grow in the truth that we will grow in the measure of your spirit and in holy living, in truth and in righteousness. We pray, Lord, that we would grow in your will, that we would follow your will. We ask, Lord, that there be no hindrance to the video recording, and that there would be no hindrance to this sermon to this broadcast, or to this worship. We ask, Father, that you open up our ears and our hearts and our minds, receive the truth, and deliver us from all evil. We ask, Lord, for only the truth. So help us, God. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Praise Jesus. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Let's turn to the book of Ezekiel. That's in volume number four. If you have the if you have the five volume Alpha and Omega Bible, we are reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible translation, translated from the oldest manuscripts of the Bible. But you're welcome to follow along with us in any translation you may have available in front of you. Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 12, Ezekiel 12. Today is the 13th day of the 10th month in God's calendar, 13th day of the 10th month. Now, we do have 
some new people every week almost. So I will uh, give some instructions about listening to services. There are multiple ways that you can listen. And we do try to encourage everyone to listen to the live broadcast if possible because we need to be not only learning information and facts and truth, but we also need to grow together as a family. If we are the true followers of Jesus Christ, then we are brothers and sisters. We need to grow together as family, and we need to gather together at the same time, in the same spirit, and in the same time for uh, encouragement of one another. And it does encourage me when people gather together at the same time in the live broadcast. But I also understand if people are in different time zones in Africa or Asia, that makes it extremely difficult to listen live. And I understand exceptions for people in those time zones. But in America, I do not believe in any exceptions for gathering together live. Because if you're in America, the time zones are not that much different, only three to four hours max. And that should not prohibit you from coming and gathering together as a family, as a church, as a congregation. And nobody should be working on this day or watching football or washing the car, so I don't see any reason why anybody cannot gather together live. If the website on TalkShoe.com does not work for you live, then there is other options. You can call in over the telephone, and almost every American has unlimited telephone calling. And if you don't, you're way, way behind on modern living. I would say 99% of Americans have unlimited telephone calling. And if you can't listen live for whatever reason, then uh, there are multiple ways that you can listen later on in the day or later in the week. And all of these different ways you can listen is listed on the, the main ministry website at isawthelightministries.com. In case you're listening on TalkShoe today for the first time, uh, in case you have not visited the ministry website, we are I Saw the Light Ministries. And that is the very simple and easy to remember website, I saw the light ministries.com. And you can find the listing of phone numbers and different ways to listen on the website. Last week, I gave a sermon about the consequences or the results, the serious results of slacking or lacking in doing the work of the kingdom. Not being active as much as we should be in doing the work of the kingdom on social media, 
email, distributing flyers, witnessing to people, or whatever different manners, different techniques, the church has been lacking very much so in this urgent time, very, very, very urgent time frame that we are in. Only one or two days after that sermon, only one or two days later, I read in the news that that Saudi Arabia said that the time for, for words is over with. It is now time for action. And that is very important. That is major, huge, divine confirmation of the sermon. Because I said in those sermons, those very words, that you can say as many times as you want to say that you're putting God first or that you are passionate for the Lord or that you are hot on fire for the Lord. You can say whatever you want to say, but action speaks louder than words. And it's time for people to put action behind their words and action behind their prayers. You can pray all day and all night, but we have to put action to our prayers and to our words. As Saudi Arabia said, time for words is over with. Time for action. Even Saudi Arabia knows this. Both sides, both good and evil, realizes that it's time for action. How much more than Saudi Arabia to the Church of Jesus Christ Know, realize, and comprehend. It's time for action. Time is short. Amen. Today, the subject is blow the trumpet. Blow the trumpet. We will start in Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 21. Again, we are reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. Ezekiel 12, verse 21. Jesus says, the word of Jesus came to me to Ezekiel, saying, son of humankind, what is your saying or your expression or your phrase on the land of Israel that you say The days are long. The vision has perished. In other words, people were saying that the visions or the prophecies will not occur. Verse 23, Therefore say to them, thus saith Jesus, I will even set aside this saying, this phrase, this expression. And the house of Israel shall no more at all use this saying, this phrase. For you shall say to them, 
The days are at hand. It's here. And the import of every vision. What does that mean? That word import, as I continue to go through the Bible and and, uh, edit and improve it, I'm going to change that word import, and I'd like for you to just mark through it and put put the word word, (laughs) word, W-O-R-D. The Greek word there is logos. As in John chapter 1, the word or the logos was with God, and the logos was God. The logos was theos. So it's the word of every vision. In other words, Jesus said to them, the days are here. And in other words, the fulfillment of the prophecies, the, the, the dreams and the visions and so forth. Verse 24, for there should no more be any false vision or anyone prophesying flatteries in the midst of the children of Israel. For there shall no more be any false vision or anyone prophesying flatteries. Verse 24. I think I read that. Let's go to verse 25. I, Jesus, was speaking my words. I will speak and perform them. And will no more delay. For in your days, O provoking house, I will speak the word and will perform it, says Jesus. Moreover, the word of Jesus came to me, saying, Son of humankind, behold, the provoking house of Israel, boldly say, the vision which this man sees is for many days, or many days away, many years away. And he prophesies for times afar off. This is what most people believe. Most people believe that the prophecies and the great tribulation and everything is for decades away from now, even hundreds of years away from now, most people believe. Even within groups of people that claim to be saved, they believe that the great tribulation is not going to start in just a few months or just a few years. They believe it is far away. So if you're one of these people, here Jesus is speaking to you, and he is calling you provoking. Now, The phrase house of Israel originally was referring to the 12 tribes of Israel. Not just one tribe, not just the Jews, but all 12 tribes of Israel. When you see that phrase house of Israel, you know for sure it's talking about all 12 tribes, and that would include America and Australia and Western Europe and Canada because we are among the tribes or the descendants of the tribes of Israel. And proof of that is on the ministry website. So provoking house of Israel would include Americans for provoking God by saying 
that the prophecies are not for my lifetime, but are far away. It is also important to understand that according to the book of Romans and according to all of the Bible, there is a physical Israel and a spiritual Israel. Physical Israel would be the descendants, the children of the 12 tribes. Spiritual Israel would be all the true followers of Jesus. If you have been baptized in Jesus' name in the truth, not by Babylon, not by Babylonian false ministers, but if you have been baptized in the truth, and truly received his Holy Ghost within you, and you truly keep the seventh day and the holy days, you keep his commandments, you keep Passover, you take the communion. If you do all of this, and if you are truly saved, then you are considered spiritual Israel. So we must understand that there is the physical and the spiritual Israel. And both the physical and the spiritual Israel provokes God when they do not accept the truth and when they do not accept God's prophecies. His prophecies are not mine. They are his. And when you reject his prophecies and his word, then you reject the logos, his word. Reject him himself when you reject his word and his, or his prophecies. His prophecies are his words. Many times in prophecy, we need to understand that it can apply spiritually. Verse 28, Therefore say to them, thus saith Jesus henceforth, none of my words shall linger, or delay, which I shall speak, I will speak and do it, saith Jesus. Now this was written thousands of years ago for that day and that time that the prophecies of the invasion of Babylon, the invasion by the, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, that those prophecies would occur. But it's also important to understand that Prophecy many times is dual, meaning will be fulfilled at least two times. Most people do not understand that. History repeats itself. Much of prophecy has a Old Testament fulfillment and a end time fulfillment. Very important to understand that. Remember also that we need to think spiritually with spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, spiritual heart, spiritual words, spiritual thinking. In the spirit, we should understand that even though though this was primarily originally written to people thousands of years ago, it also applies to us that sooner or later, all of the Word of God will be fulfilled. All of the Bible will be fulfilled. The book of Revelation will be fulfilled. Every word spoken by 
God, every prophecy will be fulfilled. Amen. So to apply this only to the people that lived as Hebrews, as Jews, thousands of years ago, and not apply it to our day and our time, would be legalistic to say it applies only to them and not to us. That would be very narrow-minded. That would be very carnal-minded, fleshly-minded. It would not be spiritually-minded. To think that it applies to them thousands of years ago, but not to the end time, would not be wise and would be lacking in spiritual understanding. If he told them that prophecy will be fulfilled, how much more true is it for us in the last generation that prophecy will be fulfilled? Amen. Let's go to chapter 33. Chapter 33, verses 1 through 16. Also want to say that if you have any technical problems about listening to the services, if you get cut off from the internet or telephone, just call back in. And if the if the internet doesn't work for you, then call in over the telephone. There are options. So I encourage you to not give up, but to try another option if you have a technical difficulty and get cut off. And in chapter 33 here, verse 1, the word of Jesus came to me saying, Son of humankind, speak to the children of your people. And you should say to them, On whatsoever land I shall bring a sword, and the people of the land take one man of them and set him for their watchman or guard. He and and he see the sword coming upon the land and blow the trumpet and sound or blow an alarm to the people. And he that hears the sound of the trumpet shall hear indeed, and yet not take heed or not, not take action. And the sword shall come upon him and overtake him. His blood shall be upon his own head. Amen. So in other words, if you have somebody up in a tree or a tree stand or up on top of the fortress, on top of the gates looking out, you see the enemy approaching and that, that, walk, that guard, that watchman, that prophet blows the trumpet, sounds the alarm, warns the people, 
and you hear the blowing of the trumpet by the prophet or by the guard, and you do not take responsible reaction, and you die, it's your fault. It's not my fault, because I did warn you. Amen. So your blood, your life, will be on your own hands, not on my hands, because I did my job at blowing the trumpet. And the same is true when you blow the trumpet and warn your family, your friends, and you distribute the flyers and you share the articles. If they don't listen to you, if they do not believe you, if they do not take responsible reaction, then that's their fault. But at least you did your job. Amen. At least you tried. At least you did warn them as any loving person would do. Amen. If, if you saw a blind man running toward a cliff, he is about to fall off the mountainside, the blind man cannot see that he's headed straight toward falling off the cliff, would you not hollow at him? Would you not scream? Would you not blow the alarm and tell him that he is headed toward death? Of course, you would warn the blind man. This world is blind, and they are headed toward a cliff. They are headed toward death. Because we are not blind and can see, we have a high responsibility. High responsibility. We have a very high calling duty, to warn, to scream, to hollow loud and clear that there is danger ahead. Amen. That is not hate. That is love. If you love people, you will warn them and tell them what is going to happen. And then verse... because he heard the sound of the trumpet and took no heed, no action. His blood should be upon himself, but the other, because he took heed, has delivered his soul. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not sound, does not blow the trumpet, and the people do not watch, and the sword comes, and takes a soul from among them. That soul is taken because of its sin, its iniquity. But the blood thereof I will require at the watchman's hand. So in other words, if a watchman knows the danger is coming and does not blow the alarm, and does not warn people, the people's death will still be their own fall as far as because they had sin. It says that they died because of their own sin. But it also says 
that their blood is on the hand of the watchman also. Because we knew it was coming and did not warn the people we would be held responsible for that person's death. Even though it is also that person's fault because of their sin, it is also our fault. We are responsible for that death as well because we did not warn the people. Now, you might try to apply this word watchman only afford a prophet. But I believe that would be wrong to apply it only to the prophet. For one thing, it doesn't say prophet. For the word prophet is throughout the Bible, but it does not say prophet in this verse. You do not have to be a prophet to be a watchman. All of us should be watching. All of us should be standing guard for our family, for ourselves, for our communities, for our local regions. I believe that every one of you is a watchman in some way. Watchman of your house, watchman of your family, and of your community. Verse 7, and you, son of humankind, I have set you as a watchman to the house of Israel, and you shall hear a word from my mouth. When I say to the sinner, you shall surely die, if he speak not to warn the wicked from his way, the wicked himself will die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. But if you forewarn the wicked of his way to turn from it, and he turn not from his way, he shall die in his ungodliness, unholiness. But you have delivered your own soul because you did warn them. You did your part. You're off the hook, basically. Did your job. Verse 10. And you, son of humankind, say to the house of Israel, Thus have you spoken, saying, Our errors and our iniquities weigh upon us, and we we pine away in them. That word pine, I understand, but most people might not, so I'm going to change it to a word that more people would understand to change the word pine to melt, melt away. And we melt away in them, and how then shall we live? In other words, we are reduced because of our sins. We die, we decay, we become less, whatever, because of sin. Say to them, Thus saith Jesus, as I live, I desire not the death of the ungodly, as that the ungodly should turn from his way and live. In other words, 
It is not God's will that anyone die. The scripture says that he is not willing for any man to perish, but for all to come to everlasting life. It is not God's will for anyone to die. It is not God's will for the ungodly to die. But for every man, woman, child, everyone, to have eternal life. That's what God wants. He wants good for everyone. But the reality is that some people will die because of their iniquity, because of their sin, their choices, their decisions they have made is on their own head. I desire not the death of the ungodly as that the ungodly should turn. This is what God really wants is that the ungodly would turn away from sin. Turn you heartily. That means with a full heart. Turn you with a full heart from your way. But why will you die, O house of Israel? Why, why, why die if you can live? Say to the children of your people, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day in which he errs. And the iniquity of the ungodly shall not harm him in the day wherein he turns from his iniquity. But the righteous Irene shall not be able to deliver himself. When I say to the righteous, you shall live, and he trusts in his righteousness and shall commit iniquity, none of his righteousness shall be remembered. In his unrighteousness, which he has worked, in it shall he die. So what all of this means is that you cannot depend on your righteousness of what you did yesterday, last week, last month, or years ago, even though that is what all of Babylon does, or not all, but I would say most of Babylon, most of the false church, especially the Baptist church, and the Catholic Church and many other denominations, they say that if you said a prayer 50 years ago, that you're saved. And once saved, always saved. That is their doctrine of the Catholic Church and of much of Babylon. So they are depending upon their former righteousness. They're depending upon one prayer, one measure of faith that you had decades ago. The scripture here and many other places in scripture completely rebukes that. Amen. Right here it says that your righteousness will not save you if you are right now in sin. It's as clear as day here. 
your former sins also cannot hinder you if you get saved. It works both ways. Your formal, your former previous righteousness cannot save you if you are currently in sin. You have to live clean and holy for the Lord without sin all the way to the day of you turning into spirit and even beyond forever. We have to eventually get to that maturity to be able to resist all sin. That is our goal. It must be your goal. must be. At the same time, your formal previous sins will not hinder you from getting saved if you will now live for the Lord in holiness, obedience, truth, and sincerity. So either way, whether your former ways was righteousness or iniquity, the past does not matter. What matters is today and tomorrow. So you should not live in the past about previous prayers, previous relationship with God, nor previous mistakes and previous sins. Do not live in the past. Live in today and tomorrow. Amen. Let's go to the book of Amos, chapter 3. And in my copy, Amos starts in page 165, but it might start in a page or two different in your copy since uh, different people have different uh, copies from whatever year or whatever month that you ordered your paperbacks, so page numbers. We will be changing uh, because we're adding to notes and, and editing words for perfection. Amos 3. Let's go to Amos chapter 3. God willing, we read this whole chapter. Amos 3. Verse 1, Amos 3, verse 1. Hear you this word, O house of Israel. Remember, we are the house of Israel spiritually if we are saved. But this also speaks to all the descendants of Israel, many, many nations on this earth. O house of Israel, which Jesus has spoken concerning you, and against the whole family whom I brought up out of the land of Egypt, saying, You especially have I known out of all the families of the earth. Therefore, will I take vengeance upon you for all your sins. 
In other words, he says, you know, basically, there's a lot of different families, races, languages, groups of people upon the earth. But you, among all the earth, I chose you specifically. And because you have that special calling, whichever person listening to this does, because you have that special high calling, therefore will I take vintage, revenge, repay, judgment upon you for all of your sins. If we have a special high calling, high responsibility, extra responsibility, we also receive greater judgment. Because many people out there are not even called yet right now. They will be eventually. Everybody will be eventually called. That doesn't mean that they will accept. But most people right now are not being called by God. You must understand that. There's two different resurrections. Not everybody is meant to enter the first resurrection. Many people are ordained, appointed to, planned by God to go into the second resurrection. That is his plan. It's not meant for everybody to get saved in this life. Regardless of what Babylon has brainwashed you to think. Not meant for everybody to get saved right now. But we should still witness to as many people as possible because we don't know who is called and who's not called. So we need to just scatter the seeds, the parable of the sower, scatter the seeds in every direction, everywhere, distribute the flyers, everywhere. And let God sort it out. And let God let the seed fall where it may. And leave it to each person. At least give everybody opportunity to receive the truth if God would bless that seed. We've got to give everybody at least the opportunity to receive the truth. Then let God sort it out from there. But upon the people like you and I, that are called for this day and this time, there is greater judgment because we actually are hearing the voice of the Lord and we're not blind. A blind man is not going to be judged as harshly, as hard, for doing something that he does not know that he's doing, even though he will still be judged because he was at least warned. But he did it in his ignorance, even if he was warned. Yes, he will still die in his iniquity, but there's a greater judgment upon the watchman. There's a greater judgment upon the people that should be blowing the trumpet and and should know and understand what they're saying and, and doing and what the truth is. There's a greater judgment for the people that can spiritually see or should be understanding. Amen. With great responsibility comes, or with great power or ability or calling comes great responsibility. Verse 3, 
Shall two walk together at all if they do not know one another? Of course not. Will a lion roar, roar out of his thicket if he has no prey? Will a lion's whip or cub utter his voice at all out of his lyre, cave, dwelling place if, if he has taken nothing? Will a bird fall on the earth without a predator? Will a snare be sprung if it has caught nothing? Shall the trumpet sound in the city and the people not be alarmed? Shall there be calamity in a city which Jesus has not worked? But the Lord Jesus would do nothing without first revealing the judgment, chastisement, discipline to his servants, the prophets. In other words, all of this means that God will not send judgments, punishments, without first warning the people. And that God will not send judgment unless he does warn the people first. He is not going to thank a child who has not been instructed in righteousness. That is what this means. Shall the trumpet sound in the city if the people shall not be alarmed? Or shall there be calamity in a city which Jesus has not worked? War and destruction will only come upon a nation or a person only if they have been warned. For the Lord Jesus would do nothing unless first he reveals it. God is fair. God is good. He is the righteous judge. He is not unfair. Amen. When the invasion comes to the nations in our time, it will not be without warning. This ministry has been blowing the trumpet since 2006, 12 years. That this ministry has been blowing the trumpet. We've been on the radio. We've been in the newspaper. We've distributed flyers around the world in CDs and Bibles. We have done a ton of evangelism. We've done lots and lots and lots of different projects over the years. 
just because you do not see us on the radio right here, right now, doesn't mean we have not been before. We have tried all kinds of stuff to get the word out across the world. And the website has been visited millions and millions of times. This gospel of the kingdom has been distributed far and wide. Do not be fooled just because we have a very small congregation listening live. Just because we have only a few people listening live does not mean that millions and millions and millions of people have not been reached. They have been reached. The problem is not that we're not reaching people, but rather the problem is that people are rebellious. The people are unbelieving. The people are unfaithful. The people refuse to repent. The fault is on their side because this watchman is and has been blowing the trumpet very hard, very loud, for a long time. The blood is not going to be on my hands. But this, again, applies not only to me, but to this entire work, this entire ministry, because I'm not the only member of this ministry. Some of you are members of this ministry. And even if you are not a member of this congregation, even if you are just secretly listening for days or weeks or months or years, and even if you have not been in contact with me on a regular basis, even if you have not been baptized by me and you're just riding the fence or sitting on the back row hiding for whatever reason, in those cases you are not a member of this ministry, even if you have been listening for years, if you are not being active in participation in this work, then you are not a member of this ministry or this congregation or this ministry, regardless of how many sermons you have listened to, if you're just sitting on the back row doing nothing. However, God still considers you as a person that should be doing the work of this ministry because you heard the truth. You received the truth. You received the warnings. You heard the trumpet blow, and you received the knowledge that the majority of this world has not received. Even though we have reached far and wide, we have not reached as far and wide as the false prophets and false ministers like Billy Graham and all those people that are filthy rich and can afford those things. But because you have received knowledge that most people do not have and have sit on it, have hidden it, have done nothing with it, have not become involved in this work of God, you will be held highly accountable. Amen. 
Remember the parable of the talents. Each person is given a different measure of talents or money, different measure of money. And some people doubled it. And everybody was required to invest and use their money and make a profit with it. And that money, the talents, represented gifts of God. That whatever God has given you, whether it be knowledge or a spiritual gift or whatever, that you're required to make use of it and to bear fruit with it. The one man that was given only one measure, only one penny or one talent, the smallest measure, because he did not have much, he was afraid to invest it. He was afraid to lose it. And he thought that would be acceptable to God to hold on to the money, not invest it, not risk losing it, so that he would still have it when Jesus comes. And again, that is the mentality or the thinking of Babylon. Hold on to that one prayer and believe in that one prayer, but you don't have to bear fruit. You don't have to work. You don't have to do anything. You just hold on to the one prayer. But Jesus said concerning that man that he would be greatly punished and whatever he had would be taken away from him and given to someone else. That he would die. He would be greatly punished. That was not acceptable to God. It was required that he would use what God had given him, risk it, and make profit with it. You, every one of you, have received not just one talent, but lots and lots, much, much talents, great talents, great measure. Every one of you have received a great measure. Hearing words of gold, knowledge of gold, prophecies of gold, heavenly knowledge and heavenly word of God, heavenly warning, heavenly trumpets you have heard in the voice of God in this ministry. What have you done with it? Have you done enough? Have you invested it? Have you risked it? Have you been active in the work? Have you been active enough? Have you been profitable? Will you be profitable? In other words, will you work enough for God to make a difference? Will will your words of repeating God's words, will your will your evangelism result in people being saved? That is the ultimate goal. Will anybody be more safe in the great tribulation because of you blowing the alarm? Hopefully so. 
both physically and spiritually, safety is important. God wants every man to live both physically and spiritually. He gave all of us the desire to live. Amen. God does not even want even the ungodly to die in his sins. Amen. I'm not going to finish reading the rest of this chapter, but rather I'm going to go over to Isaiah 61. Look at Isaiah, which is the first book of prophets in the same volume of prophets. The first book is Isaiah. And let's go to chapter 61, Isaiah 61. Give everybody time to get there to Isaiah 61. Verses 1 through 8. Verse 1, the Spirit of Jesus is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to preach glad tidings to the poor or good news. The word gospel, even though you don't see it here, the word gospel means good news. The gospel is good news. But the good news includes the fact of the destruction of all wickedness. That's good news for wickedness to be destroyed, for wickedness to be removed. That's good news. Amen. But good news, good tidings, the gospel to the poor. It's good news for the poor to hear that their rich oppressors will be forcefully humbled and made low. And to heal the broken in heart, proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. This is not talking only physically, but spiritually, to make the blind see and to deliver people from bondage, from sin, from lies, from Babylon. This is physical and spiritual. To declare the acceptable year of Jesus and the day of repay. That phrase, day of repay, refers to two different 
time periods. The day of repay refers to the last one year plus 45 days that time frame before Jesus comes. A day in prophecy many times is a year. There is two different wraths of God. Not going too deep in it right now. I've covered this on the website in the five holy day timeline in other places on the website, in sermons, in writings, in the newsletter, different ways I have explained this. So I don't want to go too deep right now. I don't want to get too much off topic. But very briefly, for new people, the day of repay refers to the time frame between the sixth seal I believe it is, or is it the seventh seal? I wish I had my timeline in here on the wall, or another one, I need to order another one maybe, or just print out a small one and put it on the wall would work. But basically, you've got a one-year time frame, and then you've got, that's one raft that's called the day of repay, and then there's the second raft, which is only the last 45 days. You got both of those time periods, one year and then 45 days, and both of those time periods are called wraths. And they're different wraths, two different wraths of God. The one-year one is called a day of repay. It also, that's one way that it refers to, and another way it refers to is the very last day in which Jesus comes. So in verse 2, it says to declare the acceptable year of Jesus and the day of repay means to prophesy and tell people about the great tribulation and especially about the last one year plus 45 days and especially about the very day of his return. This is part of the gospel. Remember, glad tidings. And it can be translated as gospel. And I really encourage you to write right above those words where it says glad tidings in verse 1. Right above it. I'm not going to create it. It's not a wrong translation. Glad tidings is correct. I'm not going to correct it as far as I know right now. I, I might look at it, see if I want to change it or need to change it or not. But right now, I'm not going to change it. I'm just going to encourage you to write right above it, the word gospel. So the gospel includes helping people, helping the poor, helping the blind, helping the widows, helping the orphans, but not just that, but also telling the people about the end time, about the fact that all of these nations are going to be destroyed and bring in the kingdom of God. Revelation 24, I mean, not Revelation, Matthew 24, verse 14 says, This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, and then shall the end come. 
for a witness to all nations, then shall they come. And the gospel of the kingdom is not just, you've got to keep the seventh day. The gospel of the kingdom is not just the Ten Commandments and the truth about Christmas and Easter and the Trinity and pre-trib rapture. That's not all of it. The gospel is got to be a full gospel. Full gospel. It's got to be a full gospel. And the, and the gospel, the full, complete gospel, includes prophecy. It includes prophecy. It's part of the Bible. It's part of prophecy. And the gospel of the kingdom or the good news about the kingdom that must be preached and proclaimed to all nations as a witness to all nations and then the end shall come includes the fact that America will fall, that America is not too great to fall, that Israel is not too great to fall, that America has sinned and transgressed against the Lord, that Israel, Australia, Korea, Africa, Canada, Mexico, that all nations have provoked the Lord. This is part of the gospel. And that judgment is coming. Eternal life or eternal death, that is a huge part of the gospel. Salvation, getting people saved physically and spiritually, warning people. It's got to be a complete gospel. And if we leave any of it out, then we are probably focusing too much on just one part, which hinders people and hinders ourselves and hinders the gospel. It must be a full gospel. must be. Of course, you can only talk about one topic at a time unless you're me that rambles on and put everything together <laughs> in a three-hour, four-hour sermon. Praise Jesus. Let's continue in verse 2. And to comfort all that mourn. But that's in the context of telling them there's a better kingdom coming. And there's an end to Satan's kingdom. That should comfort us. It should. Verse 3. That there should be given to them that mourn in Zion, meaning in Israel, glory instead of ashes. The oil of joy to the mourners. The garment of glory for the spirit of heaviness. And they should be called generations of righteousness planting of Jesus for glory. Us Americans are pretty spoiled. Even the most poor in America are filthy rich. And that's the truth. Whether you agree or not, I don't care. But even the most poor in America are filthy rich compared to people in Africa. Americans must get outside their little tiny box in their head and look into the depths of Africa and the Middle East and Asia. We must get a mind frame of the whole world and step outside your little comfort zone and your little Xbox. I was on 
greeter today earlier. And the magnitude, the extent of wickedness was so disgusting that it greatly angered the Lord and greatly angered me, greatly frustrated me, and made me desire the destruction of all the wicked and destruction of the Internet, electricity, and of this nation, of the, of the entire Democrat Party, and of every Democrat on this planet. They all need to be destroyed and destroyed today. That's love. That is love. When I say that every Democrat in this world should die today by the hand of the Lord, it's love. Because only when such occurs can true peace, happiness, and joy and righteousness and justice be brought to this planet. I do not hate the people, but I am disgusted at the magnitude of their wickedness. I do not stand alone in this. I speak for the Lord. It is sickening the magnitude of the wickedness of the Democrat Party and God is going to destroy them. I'm not going to have to lift a finger. The hand of God will destroy them. Judgment is coming and time is short. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Judgment must come. It must come because the people are suffering. The people are crying. When God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, you know why he did it? Because people were suffering. People are suffering today because of the wickedness Suffering is great. Just because you do not suffer much does not mean that the world is not suffering. You have to look outside your comfort zone. This is why people need to watch the news. The more that you watch the news, the more that you are going to hate wickedness and love the appearing of Jesus Christ. And you will crave the appearing of the Lord once you get the reality, the comprehension of the magnitude of the sickening, disgusting, horrible wickedness that is on this earth right now. Same reason God brought the flood in Noah's time. 
Amen. But there is hope, and the hope is the end of this world. That is our hope. The end of this world means the coming of the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to bring justice to this earth, righteousness, life, peace, joy, good things to this world. Verse 3, that there should be given to them that morning Zion glory instead of ashes, the oil of joy. Let's go to verse 4. And they should build the old waste places. They should raise up those who were before made desolate. And we should renew the desert cities, even those that had been desolate for new generations. And strangers should come and feed their flocks, and foreigners and strangers shall be your plowmen. I see that. I need to do a spelling correction there. Let me write that down real quick. Isaiah 61, verse 5, strangers. And verse 5 here, when it says that foreigners or strangers shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, this means God is going to turn things around. And these people that right now are filthy rich and hoarding up all the money for themselves, not helping the poor, when Jesus comes back, he's going to turn that around. In the thousand years and in the following hundred years after the thousand, the rich will be poor. And the poor will be rich. It's going to be turned around. And those that are rich right now will be our servants. Us poor people will have servants helping us, serving us. We will have servants if you are poor now. Those that are rich will be our servants in that day and in that time. Verse 6, but you should be called priests of Jesus, the ministers of Theos. Now this is speaking to all the 12 tribes, and it's also speaking to us who are true followers of Jesus, regardless of our skin color, regardless of what language we speak, regardless of what tribe we are descendants from. It doesn't matter whether you are a descendant of Israel or not, if you are a true follower of Jesus, you are adopted. Read Romans. You are adopted into the Israelite family, and you are a Jew spiritually if you are a true follower of God. The Bible teaches this. And so spiritually speaking, it's speaking to all the true followers of God and it calls you and me and every one of us, every one of us, every, mem- every true member of this congregation, it calls you a priest, and it calls you a minister. So watchman 
is not limited to just me. I'm not the only one that should be evangelizing. I'm not the only one that should be declaring the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord comes from God to me, to you, to the next person. You've got to keep it flowing. It should not stop with you. Don't be the dam in this. Do not be the person that blocks the flow of information from God to the world. From God to me, to you, to your family and your friends, and forth and forth and forth. The water should keep flowing. Amen. Do not hinder the flow of information from heaven to all this world. We're all ministers. Not every one of us are teachers. No. Not every one of us are prophets. No. Not every one of us are pastors or apostles. No. The book of Corinthians and Ephesians both teaches that there are offices of administrations in the church. There are rankings. It says that first is the apostle, and then there is the prophet, and then evangelists, and then pastors, and then deacons and other teachers. So the Bible is clear that there are ranks and administration and offices in the church, and it also is very clear that we are not all prophets, and we all don't have the same gifts or the same calling, but at the same time, we are all ministers. And when it says priest, that doesn't put you in the same office as apostle or prophet, but it does put every true follower of Jesus into the office of evangelism. Not evangelist, but evangelism. Witnessing. Witnessing. Planting seeds. Sharing what you have learned. I really do not understand when people start coming to the truth, why they do not immediately share with their family and friends, I, I, I just don't understand that, but it's extremely common, extremely, extremely common. I see it constantly, all the time, with almost every person that contacts me. Men coming to the truth, not sharing it with their wives, that puzzles me. I do not understand that. Women, the same way, women coming to the truth, not sharing it with their husbands, or people not sharing it with their pus, uh, parents, or with their children, or boyfriend, or girlfriend, whatever. I do not understand that because for me, if I hear the truth, I want to share it because it's like gold, it's a treasure. In fact, the Bible says it is a treasure, and it is. If you find uh, a hidden treasure with a million dollars in it, I, I wouldn't hide it. I'd be shouting. I'd be calling up my family and my friends and saying, hey, I just won the lottery. I just got a million dollars. Let's go out to eat. And I would buy my friends gifts and, and help them out with their rent, their electric, their needs buy them some groceries, whatever. Uh, if I knew somebody in need, I would help people. Well, the Word of God is treasure that we need to use to help people in need, people that don't have what we have. We should want to share 
with people in need. Amen. Spiritually and physically. This is the greater, greatest treasure in all. And the problem is people will grow in the truth and continue to grow and continue to grow and continue to grow and never start sharing with their husband or wife or someone until after they have already grown by leaps and bounds and then they want to share with somebody else and want to shove it down their throat a whole a whole giant plate full of spiritual food all at one time. Too much for them to handle. That doesn't make any sense the way people are doing this. Because the fact is, you do not come to all the truth in one day or in one meal or one setting. It took you time to grow in the truth. You accepted only one bite at a time. You accepted one or two things in a day. You came back to the website another day, another week, another month, another year. You came back to the website. You learned more truth gradually, accepting one thing at a time. So it took you time to come to the truth, but then all of a sudden when you decide you want to finally share it with him or her, now you bring everything to him or her and try to shove it all down their throat in one time, in one day. That is not good. No wonder they're throwing up on you, trying to feed them too much at one time. What you should have been done doing the entire time is when you learn one thing, you should have been whooping and communication with your husband, your wife, your parents, your children, your friend, whoever, and say, hey, guess what I learned today? And share it one step at a time at the same time that you are learning. That's the natural route. That is the natural route to go and the more healthy route to go. And then maybe, perhaps, People would grow with you. Now, if it's too late and you have been secret in your learning and acceptance of the truth, the thing to do now is not to throw everything at them at one time, but to feed them one baby bite at a time. Feed them the milk of the Word of God one bite at a time. Do not throw everything at them. Let them grow one day at a time, one step at a time, one doctrine at a time. Even as you did, this is the thing to do now. Now let's continue in chapter 61 that we are all ministers. We all need to be witnessing. And it says, you shall eat the strength of nations and be admired because of their wealth. Meaning their wealth, their riches is going to be given to you. Thus shall they inherit the land a second time. Talking about the second resurrection. 
that Israel will be given all of the Middle East and the riches thereof in the second lifetime, the second resurrection, the second time, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. Now let's move over to the book of 1 Peter in the New Testament. One Peter Book of 1 Peter, chapter 2, and that's over there close to the book of Revelation. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, setting aside all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and come unto him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, it calls here Jesus, calls him a living stone because he is the founder, the foundation of the church. We are the church. The Bible in different books of the Bible describes Jesus and you and I, all of us, as parts of a building, as each joint supplies. And he is the foundation stone and the cornerstone. So that is why it calls him a living stone. And you, as living stones, as part of this building, the spiritual building, the spiritual Israel, the spiritual church, as being built up in a spiritual house, in verse 5, spiritual house for a holy priesthood, calling all of us ministers. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, not animals anymore, but spiritual sacrifices of prayer, fasting, reading the word of God, worship, thanksgiving. Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to theos through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture, talking about the Old Testament, quote, the whole lay in Zion, a choice stone a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him would not be disappointed. Amen. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. <clears throat> but for those who disbelieve the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word. And for this, they were also appointed. 
but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own treasure, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Such beautiful words. It says that you are a chosen race as far as the 12 tribes and the descendants, America, Australia, Western Europe, Europe, UK, Canada, you are chosen physically, a chosen race, but also the spiritual kingdom of God, regardless of color, regardless of bloodline, you also being adopted into the Jewish family, into the Israelite family, you too are a chosen race spiritually, and we are all members of the one body, one house, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, if we are the true followers of Jesus, regardless of color and bloodline. But it says that uh, to the Gentiles, it doesn't say Gentiles, but it refers to them here concerning the other race, the Gentiles, those who are not saved used to refer to non-Israelite people, now refers to unsaved people. They reject the stone, Jesus Christ. They reject Jesus, many of the Gentiles do in Africa, many of the Gentiles in Korea, China, Russia, South America, Africa, Many of those reject the scripture, the Arabs. Many of those reject scripture, reject the New Testament, reject Jesus, and refuse to be adopted into the Israelite family. In fact, they hate the Israelite family. That we're chosen people. We are a chosen people, and we are, therefore, held to greater responsibility. And we are ministers, and we are the watchmen, and you are the watchman, and I'm the watchman. And you may not be in all the same offices and administrations as me, but you are chosen, and you are a minister of God. And as a minister and chosen child of God, you should be sharing what you are learning from God in this ministry. You should be and need to and are required to because you have been given a talent. You have been given a measure of gold from heaven to share with people, to help the poor, the spiritually blind. If you love people, you will witness to them. You may not want to offend them. You may not want to lose them. You may not want to disfellowship. These are difficult things. None of us really want to let go of family and friends. But we have to risk it. You have to invest the one measure that God has given you and risk it. You might lose family and friends. But in the process, you are at least giving that person an opportunity, a chance to live, to survive physically and spiritually. 
to escape the tribulation and to escape God's anger and God's wrath and the lake of fire. At least give them a chance. And if they reject you, then so be it. But at least you did your job. And at least you showed them love by sharing with them the warnings and the messages and the truth, the gold from heaven. At least you try. And if they don't reject you as far as pushing you away, they might still yet reject the word of God, which may mean that you might have to disfellowship from them. And if it comes to that, then so be it. You have to at least give them a chance, and you have to take up your cross, deny yourself, follow him. Think of how Matthew and Peter and all the apostles, they left their wives, they left their children, they left their homes, they left their jobs, they left everything everything. They truly denied themselves and followed the Lord. We must be willing, if need be, to reject and deny and disfellowship from mommy, daddy, husband, wife, child, friend, girlfriend, boyfriend, best buddy, anyone and anything. Willing. We must be willing to, if needed, to depart from these people and the things of this world. Everybody is different. Different people have different callings. Some people are to be more patient and more long-suffering with people, more patient with people. Some people should continue to witness to somebody for months or years. I cannot tell everybody that they must leave their husband, wife, their parents, their children, whoever, immediately. For different people are called for different things. Nevertheless, if need be, Everyone, everyone, if need be, need to be at least willing to forsake everyone and everything if that is God's will for you and your calling and what is needed in your situation. So how do you know then how long to continue to witness and be patient and long-suffering with someone? Part of knowing how long to witness and how long not to witness is common sense, and part of it is being led by God's presence within you when you receive his Holy Ghost to live with you. He will lead you in these things. He will guide you. But part of it is also common sense. You can tell how disobedient somebody is. You can tell what their response is, what their reply is. You can tell how much hope there is for that person. Are they listening to you? Are they at least considering 
what you are sharing. If they are at least listening to you and hearing you out and at least considering things, if they're willing to accept one bite, one beginning of truth, then definitely you need to be more long-suffering, more patient, because they're showing promise. They are accepting one bite. They might not be accepting all truth, but if they are accepting one bite, then there is promise for them, and then you should be more patient and long-suffering with them. But if they are the type of person that completely rejects and they're not even willing to even think about the possibility that you might be right, if they are constantly, no, that is wrong, that is wrong, you're wrong, you're deceived, you're of the devil, you're following a cult or whatever, then that person is worthy of rebuke and disfellowship. If that person is trying to get you to reject the truth, then that person is worthy of rebuke and disfellowship. If that person wants you to give up the truth and deny the truth and they try to talk you out of the truth and they're not willing to grow in the truth or hear the truth or receive the truth, or even study and try to test themselves. They are worthy of rebuke. And you should not be patient nor long-suffering with that person. You can tell whether it's hope for them or not. Amen. There have been many people I've shared the truth with who I've had to rebuke or disfellowship from. It's not pleasant. I don't want to do those things. I do not desire to rebuke anybody or push anybody away. But when they totally refuse to repent, refuse the word of God, and trample his holy word underfoot, then I am required to push that person away they have treated his gold like hog food. Or worse. Anyway, let's go over here to Matthew 10. Let's move forward. Matthew 10. Matthew chapter 10, verse 27. Matthew 10, verse 27. But what I tell you in secret, speak in the light. In other words, 
share it openly, what I've told you in secret, in the secret of your bedroom, in the secret of the computer. What you've been learning in secret, you need to be speaking outward in the light where people can see it. And what you hear in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Don't hide it. Share it in public. We need to be distributing these flyers, these gospel tracts from the website because we're living in a short time, an urgent time. And we need to be shouting upon the housetops about the strong delusion, the great tribulation, the invasions. We need to be warning the people blowing the trumpet. Time is short. Let's go back to the book of Prophets, the book of Joel. Joel chapter 1, on page 162 in my copy. Before we read these scriptures, I will give you a testimony of something that happened when was that Gatlinburg fire one year two years ago maybe two years ago around two years ago about this time of year I believe January December maybe yeah December so I thought about this time of year that there was a huge fire in the town of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Gatlinburg is in the mountains, the Great Smoky Mountains of Tennessee. And one day I said on the newsletter that when Jesus comes, he is going to burn and destroy every copy of the King James Bible, every copy on this planet, God is going to destroy when he comes. He is going to burn them. Well, somebody emailed me after I said that on the newsletter and said, did you see this news article? They gave me, I think, a link. And I looked at it, I'm like, no, I did not see this. That in that huge fire in Gatlinburg, that some man had found one page, one page of a King James Version Bible. And the Bible had been burnt. And this page had been burnt. And the only verses that remained on this one burnt page is only these verses that we're about to read here in Joel chapter 1 verse 13 through chapter 2 verse 1. 
These were the only verses remaining on that page of the Bible. And you can tell that some other verses had been burnt, and it was only one page that had been blowing in the wind, and, and he found it on the ground from all the Bibles that were burning that day. And later, I estimated by counting the number of churches, stores, restaurants, businesses, and houses that had burnt, and it was a bunch. It was a huge fire. It was major. It was over miles of different land, houses and businesses and churches that burnt. And because this particular region is mostly King James Version people that believe only in King James in this region, mostly. Based upon that fact and the number of places that burn, I estimated that there was probably at least a thousand King James Version Bibles that burned in that fire. I could be wrong. It could be much smaller or much larger. But that is my thinking, that is my estimate based upon the region we live in and the number of places that burn, including churches. So for that to happen, for a thousand King James Version Bibles to be burnt within that week, but then I said that he is going to burn and destroy all the King James Version Bibles. That proves that when I said that, that wasn't just me speaking, but it was the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ speaking through me. And that these are not my opinions of Bible translations. This is not my opinion about the King James. This is not my thinking, my opinion about how God looks upon that translation. This is truth, divinely inspired and divinely spoken and proven. Amen. So let's read these verses that could still be read in that burnt page. Verse 13, chapter 1, verse 13. Read yourselves with sackcloth and lament, you priests, you ministers, you people, you congregation, mourn. You that serve at the altar, go in, sleep in sackcloth. You that minister to Theos, for the meat offering and the drink offerings are withheld from the house of your Theos. Sanctify a fast. Proclaim a solemn service. Gather the altars and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of your Theos and cry earnestly to Jesus. Alas, 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 for the day, for the day of Jesus is near, and it shall come as trouble upon trouble. Your meat has been destroyed before your eyes, joy and gladness from out of the house of your Theos. The heifers have... Uh, Started at their mangers, mangers, the treasures are abolished, the wine presses are broken down, and the grain is wilted. What should we store up for ourselves? The herds of cattle have mourned because they had no pasture, and the flocks of sheep have been utterly destroyed. 
To you, O Lord, will I cry. For fire has devoured the fair places of the desert, and a flame has burnt up all the trees of the field. And there was lots and lots of trees that had been burnt. That word desert could also be translated wilderness. Verse 20. And the cattle of the field have looked up to you, for the mountains of water, fountains of waters have been dried up, and fire has devoured the fair places of the wilderness or desert. Sound the trumpet. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Make a proclamation in my holy mountain. And let all the inhabitants of the land be confounded. For the day of Jesus is near. Here's the date there, November 30th, 2016, that I wrote in the newsletter that he would destroy the Bibles. This is huge. This is divine. This is powerful. This is mind-blowing. And if you have followed this ministry very long, this is not unusual in this ministry to hear the word of God, his voice, as loud like this. This is a miracle. People ask, where are the miracles? Here's one. This was a huge miracle divine message from heaven. And this happens on a regular basis all the time in this ministry. Miracles are are occurring right now. We don't have to wait for the two witnesses. Miracles have been occurring in this ministry for at least 12 years on a regular, constant, constant, constant basis. Amen. Why wouldn't you want to share this? This is gold. There and proclaim it. Shout it on the housetops. Let everybody know that the Lord has spoken. That the end is near and that Jesus is coming is near. But now when people say Jesus is coming soon, they need to clarify what they are saying. I don't like it when people say Jesus is coming soon and just leave it there like that. Because when you just say Jesus is coming soon, that sounds like you're saying that you believe in a pre-trib rapture. That's what it sounds like. You need to clarify when you say that. Jesus is coming soon after the tribulation. He's coming soon, yeah. But we've got three and a half years of great tribulation we've got to get through before he comes. The people should not be sounding like you're believing he could come this year because he cannot come this year. Impossible. He cannot come next year or the year after that because the Bible promises that there will be 1,335 days between the abomination of desolation and his coming. You cannot fit two years or three years within that. So he cannot come back this year or next year or the next. So you need to clarify what you're saying to people so they do not misunderstand you. 
You will be held accountable for your words. You have to be careful what you say. You do not want people to misinterpret what you are trying to tell them. Now let's go over here to chapter 2, verse 28. Chapter 2, verse 28. We're almost done here. Chapter 2, verse 28. Let's sum it up. Verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my ghost, my Holy Ghost, upon much flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And on my servants and on my handmaids, in those days, I will pour out my ghost. And I will show wonders in heaven and upon the earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood as far as the way it appears, the way it looks, not literally. Come on now. Before the great and glorious day of Jesus comes. So when we say that Jesus is coming soon, <laughs> he is not going to come until we see this. The sun's going to be turned to darkness. The moon is going to be red like blood before he comes, before the great and glorious day of Jesus comes. We've got to see what it's describing here, if you compare it to verses in the book of Revelation, is talking about the sixth seal. Well, before you have the sixth seal, you've got to have the fifth. And we're not at the fifth yet, but very close to it. People need a study on the website and in the Bible about the four horsemen, because the four horsemen is the first four of the seven seals. You've got to understand, understand the seven seals. Very, 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 very important. You need to know, because you're living in the end time, every one of you need to know and understand about the seven seals. So please go to isawthelightministries.com slash four horsemen. And that word four is the number four. You don't, right, you don't spell it out. Fourhorsemen.html, and that tells you about the first four seals. And then the next one will be the Great Tribulation. And I do encourage people to read about the five holy days in the prophetic timeline, and that also will help you understand the seals. And there's also another link, which in the back of the Alpha Omega Bible, it also gives you the outline of the seven seals, both in the form of an image and in a written outline on the website and in the back of the Alpha and Omega Bible. You need a study. You need to dig deep into the website and into the Bible to get some clarity and greater understanding about the seven seals, not only the first four, but the last three, and the prophetic timeline. Now, I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I tested myself about the timeline of the five holy days, and I have no doubt at all 
that it is 100% correct. The only question, like I have said over and over, the only question is what year will it begin? And there is a very large possibility that it will begin in the month of March of this year. And there is a lot of reason to believe that, lots of reason to believe that. Now, part of the problem with the people not doing as much work in this ministry and not being active in warning people and telling people, and and not only that, but people putting other things before the work and putting other things before God, part of the problem is people really do not think it's going to be this year. Well, I do. I do think it will be this year. Even though I'm not saying 100% thus said the Lord it will be this year, I think, I believe, personally, I do think it will be this year. And I think that you should have the same mentality without me having to say, thus say of the Lord. I think you should have the same mentality that time is this short. That is the wise, that is the more cautious and more prudent approach. If we do not have this mentality, if we believe that the time of the vision is for far off, if we believe that the prophecies are for next year or two years or three years or 50 years away and do not take it serious for this year, then I'm afraid you will be caught by surprise. It is more prudent and more wise to believe that it is this year and then be wrong about it than what it would be to put it off and believe it is for far off. It is more wise to be extra cautious. It is more wise to be prepared in case it is this year so that you would not be caught by surprise. And I know that this is a difficult balance. I realize, I understand, it's a very difficult balance for most people to live kind of in a, a limbo about this, about whether it's this year or not. And I realize I am blowing, I realize that I am blowing an uncertain sound. One minute I say it's going to be this year or I believe it's going to be this year, then I say I don't know or whatever. I understand that I am part of the problem. And I confess that. And I have asked God repeatedly to give me surety, certainty, absolute knowledge of whether it's this year or not. Do not think I've not asked. Of course, I have asked repeatedly. But like I have said before, his purpose in not giving you and me absolute certainty, surety about this is a test. That is the reason. That is the purpose. That he is not allowing me to tell you 100% for sure 
whether it will be this year or not, either way. It is a test for you and me. Because not everything should be from Pastor Tim. I encourage people. I've done this forever and always would do this. I encourage people to have your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You should be able to hear his voice without always being through me. I would that you would all be prophets. I would that all of you would hear the voice of God as clear and better than I do. I would that everyone would have a very deep and true and sincere and good, strong relationship with him and hear his voice and know his will and direction for your life. God is testing you, and he wants to know how faithful you will be to him, even in times when direction is not clear. And will you use common sense? He's testing your faithfulness, and he is testing common sense and maturity and wisdom. You're being tested, every one of you, in many different ways. And all of us are being tested about, are we really and truly going to live for him without commandment? Without commandment. Many people did not observe Hanukkah and will not observe Purim because they think it's not commanded. It's not one of the commanded holy days. God commanded Passover and other holy days in the seventh day. But in the book of Esther, it was Esther and Mordecai that instructed the people to keep uh, parents. And it was in the book of Maccabees that the Maccabee family instructed the people to keep Hanukkah. These were not commanded straight forth out of the mouth of God like the other holy days were. And as I have said many times, if we know that these days are appointed by God through his prophets, through Esther, through Mordecai, through the Maccabee family, God appointed these military victories. God gave the military victories. God gave the blessing. God gave the anointing. These are days that are hinted at in Bible. Do we really have to have God to command us every little thing like babies? Like little children have to be told every little thing? We need to be mature, and we should not need a commandment or thus say of the Lord on every little thing. We should be people of faith and integrity and common sense and wisdom and prudence. Amen.
So if we can see the sword coming by watching the news, and if we have common sense, and we have human eyes, and if we have spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, we should be able to see and discern, discern the signs of the sky and the signs of heaven and the signs and the voice of God. Without God saying it's this year, we should be able to see what's occurring in Russia, China, Syria, Iran, Trump. We should be able to see and have spiritual and fleshly ears, both physical and spiritual, ears and eyes, to understand what time we are in. It does not take a prophet. It does not take a prophet to know that the great tribulation is at the door. It does not take, thus saith the Lord, to know that we are at the door of the Great Tribulation, that World War III is on the edge and humanity is hanging by a string. Amen? We are to be people who are of faith. That does not need to be commanded or instructed and told every little thing that we must believe or do. Amen. I should not have to command you to be witnessing on social media. I should not have to even instruct you in that. You, yourself, as a personal part of the church You need to be hearing from God, feeling the urgency within you. The same urgency I feel, you should feel. I serve the same God. We are members of one another. You should feel the same disgust and hatred that I feel for the wickedness. Hatred against darkness and wickedness. Hatred against abortion. Hatred against homosexuality. Hatred against false religion love for God and a desire for his kingdom to come and and bring everlasting peace and victory against the forces of evil. We are called, every one of us are called to be members of the army of the Lord. Revelation 19, if you are part of the first resurrection, then you are drafted into a strong army. Many people believe that I am too forceful, that I am always angry, that I'm on a power trip. The reality is that I am a general, a drill master, a drill sergeant of an army trying to get the soldiers in shape physically and spiritually. I must pressure you. You must be ready for the war. You must be ready for the great tribulation. You must be ready 
for the coming of the Lord. And I've got to be honest with you. Most of you, all of you, are out of shape. And you've got to pass the test. And you must grow stronger mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. You must grow stronger in the Lord and in his spirit, in his power, and in his might. And that is not going to happen if I am going to be too weak, not disciplined, not judge, not condemn, not yell, not scream at you. If I'm going to be a Joel Osteen type of preacher, then you are not going to be ready for the Lord. I must treat you not as babies, but as an army in order to get you ready. I refuse to always and forever feed you gently like a baby. I must treat you like a hardened soldier. Amen. Following the Lord in the truth is not for the weak of heart. You need to count the calls. Are you willing to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him forever without end? Are you willing to forsake the world? Are you willing when it is time to forsake family, friends, jobs, money, houses, husband, wife, children, anything, everybody, and everything. Not everybody must sell everything immediately. Not everybody must leave their houses and homes immediately. There's a little bit of time left. Some must leave now. Some must leave this month or next month. Some two months or three months from now. But sooner or later, everybody is going to have to do some kind of a moving change of life because when the great tribulation comes, everything you know about this world is going to change overnight. And I am not exaggerating. When the great tribulation actually, as early as the strong delusion, when the strong delusion occurs, This whole world and everything about it is going to change overnight. Are you ready for that? You better get ready. And you better be making some plans in much fasting and in much prayer. You better be searching for the Lord about your relationship with him and what his will is for you for the tribulation. Are you meant to die or to live? Not what you want. Not whether you want to die or live, but what does God want you to do? Does he want you to flee? Not everyone should flee. Not everyone should flee. Some are ordained to die for the Lord. Some are ordained to go face to face against the enemy. Son of perdition, 
armies, militaries, kings, judges, and persecution and martyrdom. Others are ordained to flee and stay alive. Whatever the Lord has chosen for you, you need to know it. What is his choice for you? What is his plans for you? And if you do not know, then I wonder if you have asked enough, searched enough, cried enough, fasted enough, prayed enough, studied the Bible enough. I wonder why you do not know God's plan for you. Now, if he has chosen for you to flee, you don't have to know where yet. Just because you don't know where yet does not mean you're not chosen to flee. Many of the people that are chosen to flee will not know where to go until it is the day that you are to go. So do not be overly concerned if you do not know where to go and you are chosen to flee. I do believe that mostly every one of you, mostly every one of you are chosen to flee. Because I believe that you have been given a measure of truth that is special and that needs to be preserved and that you should stay alive and try to stay alive for as long as possible in order to continue to share the truth with people. And you cannot do that if you are beheaded on the very first day of the Great Tribulation. I believe that you need to try to stay alive and that it is wisdom and common sense to at least try to stay alive for as long as possible. God gave all of us the desire to live. Amen. I believe that is common sense. I believe that is the wise approach unless God tells you otherwise that you are meant to die for him. And otherwise, I believe that the default thinking mentality is that you should stay alive unless God tells you otherwise. Amen? Common sense is stay alive, survive, hide, flee when the time comes. And if you don't know where or how yet, it will become obvious at that time. People, as far as evangelism and working and delivering the messages of God, it is time for action. And more than just words, action. I believe that not only should we we be uh, witnessing and planting seeds and and warning people and sharing the truth with people, but also taking action about getting supplies and getting prepared and ready. Even if you don't know where you're going to go, at least be getting your supplies finalized. Get ready to flee because we may only have two or three months ready to do so. Now, if we have another year Praise the Lord. Don't come back to me and say I'm a false prophet. Instead, if it turns out we have another year, praise the Lord. 
Praise God. Give him thanks for another year to get ready. But it would be foolish to not get ready and be caught by surprise. That would be foolish. It is wise to be ready just in case over these next two and three months. I believe it's time for action, and I believe that even the enemy knows it's time for war. Saudi Arabia knows it. Syria knows it. Russia knows it. I believe that we, too, should be able to determine the signs of the times and know that it is time for fulfillment of the visions. It is time for fulfillment of every prophecy. It is time, I believe. It is time. I believe it's time. And we need to get ready in every possible way. Every possible way. I know that you must continue to work. I know you have to buy groceries. I know you must continue to live, continue to send children to school and so forth. I understand these things. I know it's a difficult balance. I understand your difficult situation for every one of you. I'm in difficult situations as well. But God will lead you how to have the proper balance, how you can continue to earn money for the rent for this month, food for this month, and then next month when it comes, each day is sufficient for itself. Do the best you can. Pray, study the Bible, worship God during the week, not just on the seventh day. Be faithful to gathering, the assembling of yourselves, witnessing, testifying, doing the work of the ministry, whatever work God has called you to do. Do everything that you can do. Do what you can do. Do your best. And be the best that you can be. And God will handle the rest. But you need to be passionate for the Lord. You need to be passionate. You need to be hot for the Lord. Right here, right now, today and tomorrow and forever. Do not be lukewarm. Do not be slacking. Seek the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul. That is the conclusion of the sermon. I will let people know that at 6 p.m. this evening, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, we will have the, uh, a live broadcast of uh, the baptism of Brother Robert. Robert is being baptized into Jesus Christ at 6 p.m. this evening. That's when we will start the broadcast. And, of course, actual baptism will begin about five or ten minutes later. And um, everybody is invited to listen live on TalkShoe.com or the website. Same way that we do the weekly services. Same website, all the same options for listening. Everybody's welcome and invited to witness and uh, join into uh, the observance of this baptism. I know that Robert would appreciate uh, encouraging the church, edifying the church, and would, would appreciate 
everybody's attendance if possible. We know that in some time zones it may be too difficult, and that's okay. God is understanding. God is merciful. We understand if you're in a time zone that's too difficult for you to attend. There's also a lunar eclipse tonight, and it's going to be a total lunar eclipse here in uh, the United States, and it's even going to be visible in Africa and uh, Europe. It will be at least partly visible in some nations and a total eclipse in other nations. So you need to look on the Internet about your nation. I don't know about Australia. I don't know about Korea, if it's going to be visible at all or just partial or whatever. But I know it's going to be a total lunar eclipse here in America. Now, does, this, does that eclipse have anything to do with prophecy? At this moment, at this time, I don't think so. I could be wrong. Maybe the Lord will show me something later today or tomorrow or whatever. But right now at this moment, I really don't think that this particular eclipse has anything to do with any kind of a prophetic meaning or spiritual meaning. If God corrects me on that, if he shows me something, then I will be sure to continue the flow of information from him to me, to you, and then to the next person and to the next person. Amen? I will share also one last thing is that I did hear from a radio company uh, recently inviting me to go back on the radio. And right now, I just do not have the money to do that. We just don't have enough money coming into the ministry to go back on the radio at this time. Uh, but I told them that I will keep the door open to the possibility of going back on the radio in possibly March or April. And we will keep that possibility open uh, to see what's going on in the world at that time and what the money situation for the ministry is at that time. Uh, because if it does look like the strong delusion will happen on the spring equinox, the holy day of Perm, in mid, later March, if it does look like that will be the fulfillment, then I would love to go back on the radio in those last 30 days and tell as many people as possible everything that they need to hear for that day and in that time, uh, the last warning, the last blowing of the trumpet to as many people as possible. I would love to do that if at all possible financially, if at all possible financially. We'll see. May the will of God prevail in it. Okay, we'll hang up and we'll let everybody get ready. Uh, we've got to get ready for the 6 o'clock baptism. I hope that everybody will have a restful day on the seventh day uh, and um, look forward to talking with everybody uh, in email and everything. Also, concerning the video, we are recording the video right now. And I will take a look at the size of the video and the quality of the video. And I will make a decision about whether I need to 
compress it or whatever uh, or convert it in order to make it uh, more easy for me to upload and also easy, easy for people in Africa and Australia, places that have limited internet and weak internet, they need for the video to not be a very huge file. So I would take a look at that, see what I need to do with it, see if I need to make it a smaller file or not. If I need to, I will have to convert it or something and then upload it to the website. Whatever I have to do, hopefully it will be perfect. Hopefully I won't have to do anything to it. But whether I do or I don't, I will try to get it on the website as soon as possible. I will continue to work on this seventh day. While everybody else can rest, I have to work on the seventh day. A pastor does not get much rest. But this is not work about earning money or any such thing. It's not a carnal work. It's not a type of work that is forbidden. The work of the Lord continues. The work of the Lord never stops. And a pastor never stops. So I will continue to do this, do what needs to be done. Hopefully I get to lay down. Hopefully I get to rest. My wife and I both have been sick. And I know I need to let her rest her arms. So I will shut up. Let everybody go and rest. And I will get this video online as soon as possible, God willing. And until next time, may Jesus bless you in amazing ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.